story so far. Leo has got his nose put out of joint by the lovely Abby after she is th- bashing her eyelids at the, the Curtis Jaeger. Uh, there's more skullduggery from Freire and uh, him wanting to take over uh, Relta Marine. Um, and lots of fun things happening with speedboats with Ken Masters. Anyway, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Rob. And together we are Antique, Antique Dust. Dust. We are following the glorious, and glorious Yachty drama that is Howard's Way. trying to find out when this episode first aired. This episode first aired on the 9th of November, 1986. Wow. So, Rob, what does IMDb say about this lovely episode? So, Jonathan, <laughs> IMDb says... Kate reveals to Leo the depth of her debt. Abby surprises a blooded Jaeger. Sir John questions the value of Frere's offer. Sarah changes her attitude when Ken joins her and Mark at the Yacht Club. Leo questions Abby about Jaeger. Tom feels disrespected by Jack's design for Caroline's yacht. Jaeger has a plan in mind for Abby. Frere's proposed takeover of Relton Marine goes public. Kate needs Jack's sympathetic ear. Sarah and Ken exchange flirtatious, 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 <laughs> flirtatious. Thank you. Uh, flir- flirtatious, flirtations. <laughs> he wants to get the three It marks as as Mark begins his power race. Leo rages at Jan's lack of attentiveness. Avril warns Tom that Frere could soon control Relton Marine and stop the Barracuda franchise. Bum bum bum. Okay, well, this episode well, was fun. It was a really, really fun, enjoyable fun. episode, and it was very different. The different. Mm. Um, I mean, even so, while watching it, it felt like it was really, really playing to Howard's way strengths. It wasn't like sort of. Admittedly, we had a bit of sailing and we had a bit of speedboat thing, which was yeah. always that's always incredibly welcome in my book. But and there's a bit of dog fighting. Yeah, well, we'll cover that in a moment. Will we? Um, but it spent time working on the characters mm. and the plot without it jumping from here, there and everywhere. Um, it, it, it spent a lot more time. And the episode, as I say, as you alluded to... Alluded? Uh, alluded to. Curtis Yeager, it starts with him. Yes. And Slurking around, following... And he's, he's doing blokes. so well. Do, really, really yeah. doing well. He managed to engage our sympathies. For him, for that moment. That brief moment. Um, so 
He is uh, following some roughy tufty types. Yes, Pro- there must have been Southampton because I'm sure they wouldn't be in Tarrant. No, and there was someone that, that basically is following these three sort of roughy tufty people coming out, out of a, a boozer um, to a warehouse where there was someone that looks very much like Renter Pete Postlewaite um, co- coordinating a dog fight. Is, is there such a thing, Renter Pete Postlewaite? Renter Pete Postlewaite, impossibly. <laughs> <laughs> it mar- wasn't Pete Postlewaite. That'd it, be marvellous if you could. <laughs> Rent to Pete Postlewaite. <laughs> don't know what I'd do with them. But no, well, no, but you could do sit him in the corner yeah. with, with the lamp and soft furnishings around him. That'd be lovely. Yeah, lovely. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so it, it, it was really un Howard's way like. Well, it was, it was definitely. It was very lurky and dark yeah, and yeah. noir we're, we're, we're not used to. Yeah, we're not used to cinema noir. From Howard's As way. way, no. I was, wait, I was, I don't know. I thought Orson Welles was going to pop out from the shadows. It, it was very, I was very well for done. the zither music to start. <laughs> but it was, uh, I, I, sorry, because I've always had this general hatred towards it. Because I've obviously watched Howard's Way multitudes and bushels of time. Sorry, a gentle, a gentle hatred towards who? To to to, to Curtis Yeager. Oh right, okay. Yeah, uh, because uh, his character. However. Every time I watch Howard's Way, I get something else out of it. Why is it multi-layered? It's like wringing out a wet flannel. <laughs> a flannel at no, night. It's, it's a very lovely wet flannel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's got it's got no watercress growing on it or anything. <laughs> Nothing like that. But I got if I I felt I felt a, a modicum of sympathy, and it was really really well done and it was very engaging but not in a in a how in a non howard's way yeah. styling we're definitely not used to that from howard's way so his storyline he say i get a lot of sympathy for I, I felt a little bit of modicum of sympathy and he's a really good actor and he say his storyline he rescues these two dogs i think his name's dean harris uh he uh he he's, he rescues well he rescues one of the dogs he he dashes into the middle of the fighting pen and picks up one of these uh, a white blooded sort of staffy and then runs out and locks the people in um and walks into his little dreary basement bed city flat thing where um abby is fallen asleep on the on the, on, sofa. on the sofa, and she wakes up and is is is, is covered in sort of blood and everything. Says, oh, what's happened to you? Are you okay? It's not my blood. And that was like, and instinctively she goes further towards him rather than repel and run out the door. Also, it seems like landlords let any any waif and stray in. Oh, you're someone I've never met before. Come in and wait on the sofa. How does that work? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. And we're landlords ourselves with our houses, so we don't just rock up and some wafer stray coming and say, Oh, we'll let you in, shall we? Yeah, I'll just let you in. <laughs> let, let your rifle through your possessions. And... <laughs> yes, there's some gypsy creams in the kitchen, help yourself. <laughs> so, um, so, and he says, and he said, Right, I was following this, this dog fight and I had to interlude uh, because the police didn't turn up. Um, we don't know if that's the truth. Well, we know that the police we know weren't that we, there. We know the police weren't there. But I was saying, like, oh, gosh, well, he's taking action and and he's taking affirmative action, which... And putting himself in... Putting himself in, in harm's the, way, yeah, but he, he's, he's passionate about it. Uh, and Abby feels naturally quite, ooh, he's passionate ooh. about something. Great. And... Uh, 
So Julie sort of goes back home to Tarrant, where Leo is waiting there with Polly, uh, because they'd arranged to meet up, and uh, she basically gives him, tells him to, to sling his hook. He's, he's served his purpose, and Leo loses his rag. Yeah, which is like the first time Leo's really well, it, lost uh, his rag. Yeah, and it, and not once but twice, and yeah. in this episode, yeah, I think Leo has been pushed to to mm. to the to the edge. He's on the edge of. Edge of glory. Well, well, I don't think he's an edge of glory, but I think he's he's really coming to terms that say he is he's trying to become a rescue. He's become a rescuer. He's been for two episodes, two series. He's been a rescuer. He, he's been a rescuer. He's been trying to rescue and being sympathetic and everything. And we all know what happens it. to psychological rescuers. Well, the moment someone great, that the person they've rescued gains strength, the rescuer gets dumped. Yes, monumentally. Yes, and he has, and and also. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a rescuer, what does a rescuer need? Lifeboat. No. <laughs> Go on, please. A victim. Yes. Yeah. And when you have that rescuer-victim dynamic, um, that's not going to go well. If you depend on someone being a victim, then mm. you're going to want to keep them as a victim. And once they start to shake off their victimhood, then... Yeah, they need to find somebody else. Then so. the rescuer is going to be disappointed. Yes, because they can no longer they, they, they feel their role as they, they've got no role, and the role wasn't healthy to begin with. No. Then they need a new role. Yeah, but um, but hey, and I suppose in some ways, if you look at that rescuer complex, you've got that with Ken Masters and Jan. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. He, he. Yeah, but, but the it, thing the thing about. And this is absolutely nothing whatsoever to do, but it's quite interesting. It's actually there's three there there's three roles in that dynamic. There's there's a victim, there's a rescuer, and there's a persecutor. And so the rescuer might be rescuing the victim from the persecutor, but then the rescuer the, becomes the because, persecutor. Well, the rescuer can become the persecutor, and the victim can become the persecutor, and the rescuer become become the victim. So and this and this is a game switching roles. Yep, yeah, this is a game where everybody changes their roles. Yeah, which is really. Very interesting, and and I think that 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 formula works really well, and yeah, it's, it, it it is fascinating. I mean, the storyline with Abby and Curtis Yeager. Um, there's another scene later on um, where she's ditched Leo, and they're in bed where we see a lot of Curtis Yeager's nipple, and just uh, the one, just the one. He only has the one. <laughs> It's like Mr. Scaramanga from the Man with the Golden Gun in reverse. He had three nipples. Yeah. <laughs> and little Chinese person. Was it Odd Job? I wonder no, where job? you were going then. <laughs> oh, the, the one from Fantasy Island. <laughs> <laughs> it was an Odd Job. Yeah, odd job and was it wasn't Chinese thing. either. Was he not? What was it? Japanese? Asian? It was from Asian descent or something, wasn't it? No. <laughs> no. I think I, I think you should. I think you've reached. You, you reached the bottom. You can stop digging now. Okay. I think this will end up. On I'll the, float up to the. I'll this, float up to the top. This will, <laughs> this will all end up on the cutting room floor. So um, yeah. So he's she. So Abby's obviously finding him very attractive because he's passionate and what have you. She uh, likes a bad boy, does Abby? She, well, in fairness. He's. I mean, the, the, the actor scene together was really good because she was there then trying to do her oh woe is me poor little rich girl never had a daddy because it becomes apparent that Curtis Yeager um, has, hasn't had a father and just been brought up by his mother 
and um, she's trying to relate and blah blah blah. I said, "Oh, I've not had a father. It's not my real father." Of course, yeah, I get really. And cold. my mother's useless, but I'm practically an orphan. <laughs> Yeah, of course, yeah, he got really caught, just calls her out to it. He's not a rescuer. No, he's not a rescuer. I don't think, I, I don't think he's a persecutor either. Well, I think he's, 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 he knows himself. And I think that is quite refreshing because he's, he's not falling for the, uh, oh, poor you, let's, let's rescue her. And I asked, that's the thing, that's Abby's go-to thing. Yeah. Oh, la-di-da. Yeah. So, so he's, he's not, he's, he's maybe not playing that game. But he's, he's playing. A, he's playing. He's, a, he's still playing a game, though. He's he's playing a game, and and Abby falls right into it because he calls her out, and then Abby says, "Oh, I need to have a cup of tea," because she's not getting her own way, where she's not hard done by. And he points out, "Say, you've had the best of schools, the best of education. You've had everything you wanted, and, and you're you are, still not happy. And, and and you've been cared for. I mean, it's very obvious because Curtis met Polly and seen her house, and see, it, and you can actually see." You have got the best of things, and you are just focusing on, oh, poor me, boo-hoo. Yeah, and it, but what, of course what Curtis isn't seeing is the, 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 the neglect. Yeah, there's been that, neglect. That, and that's, I mean, that's, that Abby's coming from a place of neglect. But I think but maybe Curtis Cur- can, and, and maybe not just Curtis, but certainly Curtis can only see the trappings of mm, wealth of and privilege, which is absolutely there, yeah. is totally... But he's he's not really understanding Abby or where she's coming. I don't think from. he really cares. He he only doesn't really care because he, he's, he's a narcissist. He, he he's got he's got his passion about saving rescuing animals, and you have a nice little setup where he says, "Well, there's a job going at a laboratory, the animal testing," and Abby's like, Ooh, "Get a job." <laughs> she she has a job. Being Abby is a full <laughs> time job. It's a full time right, job. Could you not go you back to a be, social work thing? I'm, yeah. I, I'm still feeling a little bit worried about You're those poor about children. Those kids, aren't you? Are <laughs> they, the railway Have they still been abandoned at the health hazard? Uh, <laughs> They're playground. still playing with mud <laughs> and barbed wire, and barbed wire, and pylons, and yeah. train lines, and things yeah. like that. Climbing in and out of that abandoned fridge. <laughs> oh, what fun! What larks? <laughs> Oh, so he suggests she gets this job at um, a, a laboratory because she's got the education and what have you, and he can be, uh, she could be his spy. So that Ooh. sets up a really quite interesting storyline, which is good. Um, hope he gets. I think that every, the whole Curtis Abbey storyline, I think, that gets wrapped up by the end of this episode. But by the end of this series, I've mean, only got two more episodes to go of series two. Ooh. So, that's the Abby and Curtis storyline. We've touched a little bit on Leo. Leo loses his rag with Abby. Um, right, justifiably so. Yeah. But, sorry. Each, yeah, each, so, Leo, Leo's, Leo's role in this particular episode just seemed to be entirely revolving around right. <laughs> getting angry. Yeah. And in fairness, you say he doesn't... <laughs> He doesn't do angry very well. Yeah. So we don't, we don't, we doesn't, we don't come any furthering of his storyline. I mean, we don't. Did he, did he, did he give up his job in the, in the, in the yard? Well, I don't or? know. It, it was touched on when he was talking to Kate. It was a really nice scene um, with uh, Leo and Kate, and Kate was there baking a baking. Well, she, she was mixing a cake and then squeezing some lemon juice into it. And then trying to acts as though I mean Kate in the kitchen I don't think Kate actually knows how to boil an egg in fairness just 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 hang on a moment Kate produced a marvelous Chinese banquet I know. I, I, right at the very very 
Yeah, she's, star, buried, she's she? buried the Chinese <laughs> takeaway. Yeah, she's, she's, burnt, she's, she's lost the menu. <laughs> Uh, so she, she's busy stirring a cake and she admits that she's a bit of a gambler and she's got, let's say, her gambling or her, her she's, she takes risks and all she, she she has is hope and she hopes things will yeah, go because out. Because she doesn't have any more money with any which stake. to she gamble. Have a stake. So uh, she can't earn, she can't she can't win anything back because you can't if you've got no money. Yeah. And the only thing she has is her, is is her, her cottage. cottage and she's going to sell the cottage. I don't understand why she needs to sell the cottage. Because, because she's got massive debts that need to be repaid. Well, she's already spoken. We already she's a pensioner. <laughs> she's got a job running the sort of Perry yeah, Poo. But I, do, I don't imagine Ken, it's, Ken is going to spare so well that she can repay her thousands, yeah. tens of thousands of pounds oh, I suppose this was, ni- what was this, 1986? This was 1986. So, okay, my the the hat. So when when we moved up to Cheshire, um, we sold. Uh, so my parent, my, my mother and my stepfather sold. Um, we had a mansion flat in Dulwich. Uh, well, I say it's a mansion flat. It was just a big house and it was a top floor. Um, and sold that for forty four thousand. Um, but they bought a three bedroom house in Cheshire. For eighteen, so and she owns seventeen thousand pounds. So um, I suppose that is quite a lot. Well, so there's seventeen thousand pounds, and there was debts on something else as well, wasn't there? So yeah. I suppose it was eighty six because this was so. So so what does what? How much do you think Kate owes? Then? Well, she well the bank has put in a charge of seventeen thousand on a mm-hmm. house that she put on last in last week's episode, right? So and so, seventeen thousand in nineteen eighty six is worth uh, forty two and a half thousand in today's money. Hmm. So it's less than a Range Rover. <laughs> so, well, not that we have a Range Rover, yeah. folks. <laughs> so, so for a, a, a woman of Kate's means. Well, forty-two thousand today. I mean, if you're on a state pension, well, it's not forty-two thousand pounds today. It is for well, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it was seventeen thousand pounds today. So, just doing that straightforward calculation, she owes at least forty-two thousand pounds. Yeah. So, and there's so, and probably other. Bits. How else could you? And, and there's probably more than more than that. Well, she so. she said she, if she sold her quarter of the horse, she'd get nine thousand pounds. So, but we don't know if she's sold. No, we don't know if she's sold, but I don't think the horse is ever mentioned ever again. So I, I imagine she's sold. Uh, right. So poor old Ned Aztec, <laughs> Ned, Aztec, Aztec boy, Aztec boy, Ned Tech boy, what Aztec, Ned. <laughs> Aztec boy. So anyway, so Kate's on her uppers and she needs to so sell the cottage. cottage. Um, so yeah, uh, and I imagine the cottage on the south coast is probably worth quite a decent crack. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know she could sell the cottage, get enough from that to pay off mm. her debts, and be left with a, something to buy a, a little, flat in, in Tarrant, in Southampton, or Tarrant, or Tarrant, yeah, a sheltered flat in Tarrant. Yeah. So, so she's she admits to Leo. Leo looks a bit shocked. You can't sell your cottage, and obviously Kate, it's who's mulling that over, and then she, she Kate has a nice little storyline, with. Jack, she arrives at the Mermaid Yard because it's always been her rescuing Jack um, and being there for Jack to G him up and everything and she just needs someone to talk to. 
And she said, like, I need to sell my cottage. She said, I can't give you any money. And I think if he had the money, he would give it I'm to sure her. He, I'm sure he would. Um, and she just wants someone to talk it through with. And, and I think they, have a, they have a nice moment. Where, that, that was really, really, yeah. that was... And she, super- when she says, if you have the time, and Jack says, for you, Kate... Of all the time in the world, oh, oh. I, was I feel really, quite emotional. Yeah, I mean that was, I mean that was really good. And I mean, fairness, they paired up quite a few good actors together. I mean, the, the actor that, that plays Curtis Jaeger and um, Abby had a really, really good scene. And uh, yeah, so it's it, it it was rollicking along really nicely on that side that side of things. So we've covered the Leo storyline. He's just been very angsty all over the place. Abby, and we've got Curtis Jaeger. Um, Polly was actually fighting in a backhanded sort of way Leo's corner because she was there waiting with Leo. Well, Polly's in a, in a dilemma because mm. she might not be that keen on Leo. But she hates she but really doesn't like Curtis. She's even less keen on, on her flick. So, <laughs> and she's still hankering after Oren, probably. So, yeah, yeah. so, so what's, what's poor Polly? Which, which direction should Polly jump in? Exactly. So it's like, ooh. But she does look stunning, but she's only got one outfit change on this one. So only, only one, one, one outfit. Which, she does look very Well, that glitzy. just shows the depth of her... <laughs> of, of of her psychological torment that she only well, manages she's only, one she's, outfit she's only in She's only in sort of two scenes and that's on the same evening. Once when she's sat there waiting in a rather uncomfortable looking chair with uh, with Leo trying to make polite, well, conversation. polite conversation. And then another scene when Abby arrives in and with Gerald trying to make an intervention and that that drives Abby into, into the arms of... His well, mus- or, into or, the or, muscular or, tanned arms, or, or, or onto his onto his nipple. <laughs> she latches on to. Oh, well, yeah. it was quite interesting. I thought there was a national trust mug. Uh, no, on there wasn't. That a scene. National, it was it's a, a national, national theatre. It's a national theatre. Do, I mean, uh, do you think that was that was planned by the by the actor? I mean, I'd like when you're watching when you're watching films or television, you should always assume. That everything is placed where it is for a reason. Yeah. But well, well, it depends on the director. And we we did touch. We have we did sort of when we were watching this episode, we did we did sort of comment on the on the direction of the yeah it was of, of the episode, and it, it sort of did feel a little bit different to to the way that other episodes have been. I've been flipped been, here, there, been, and di- been directed, and the director of this episode, uh, Keith Washington, mm-hmm. actually has direct directs a few episodes and. But um, he also direct uh, has directed things like you know, Casualty and The Bill and Minder and so so I guess he's he's kind of has a slightly different style to perhaps to some of the more um, drama oriented. Because um, oh, it, it felt like it more was, action it, action oriented. It, it felt very although there was action in this, so but it did it it, it felt. Really going to the Howard's way strength. Yeah, because la- and think was it was it the last episode where we commented on the on some of the the use of camera angles and yeah, it was a bit weird, and, wasn't it? Some Woo! of the, the the panning shots and so <laughs> yeah. on. We didn't really have very much of that, but we had we had yeah. It just felt a little bit different. It felt good, and then so now we've got we're, we're motoring along with uh, the oh gosh, Mark. What's Mark this? Foster and Sarah Foster. So Mark and Sarah. The Mark Foster. Sarah Ken triangle drama so, triangle. So it seems like yeah, okay, right, fabulous. So where Mark's coming across as a massive lush, um, drinking crazy. 
Cat, uh, on, uh, on disappointing and bad, it would seem. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> that was a really sweet scene. <laughs> that, was, that was really. So we have a bit more meaty of Sarah because Sarah's complaining that they're, that they're in the uh, the yacht club and saying, "Oh, well, can't we go to some posh yeah, French She's pouting because it's not. They're not in. Caspers or it wasn't Caspers, it was some French, uh, French La Parisienne yeah. or something like <laughs> so, some something like that. Yeah, and uh, Mark Foster was there saying, "Well, so I don't think that would be up his street," which is very true. When yeah, you know, so when we go back to the uh, the Can episode when <laughs> when yeah. Ken was was saying, "Je voudrais une marmalade and toast." Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I, I think I think. T- Ken's more of a battered cod than a lobster thermidor, really, isn't it? Yeah, as Sarah shows her two faces when Ken arrives, her, oh, shall we eat here? Oh, yes, that'd oh, be yes, lovely. Let's. Oh, yes, <laughs> let's. <laughs> well, Mark's getting completely and utterly trollied on whiskey. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that, that, that they chose that Sarah's going to be drinking, was drinking whiskey as well, because so in the last week's episode, they've been drinking the same drink. Mm. Um, and it's normally sort of, not the Howard's Way thing, it's normally a white wine in a tiny thimble glass. Or a, or a gin and tonic. Or a gin and tonic or something. Um, but but uh, So what are they telling us then about Sarah Foster? <sighs> that she can... She wears the trousers. She wears the trousers, yeah. That she, she, she can, you know, she can stick her... What am I trying to say? She can... Keep you know in a man's world, she, she can hold, she her, can own. hold her own. That's what I'm trying uh, to say. So yeah. The nuances on that, and, and also when Mark actually turns around to her, are we doing the right thing? And she said, "Well, yes, as long as he keeps up his end of the bargain with selling." And I think Ken Masters and selling—that's that is his strength, which is jolly good. Yeah, it's so, not in relationships, but it's in selling. Oh, I think when he's yeah. I think so, um, and I think he probably would be good in relationships if he didn't try to try too hard. Which that's his that's his thing. He tries too hard, trying too hard to impress people that aren't impressed by the things that he's doing to try to impress them. I don't know if that sounds a bit roundabout way, but uh, then we have a nice scene with a speedboating where we have yeah. Jazzy Howard's way. Woo! Well, yeah, well, we we have what I guess I don't know if it if it continues, but. It felt like a bit of a Howard's Way powerboat theme going yes, on there. which was very good. And they're, they're there watching Mark Foster. And he seems very energised and energetic. And he seems to be in his element, where business isn't in his element. Boats are his element. And speedboats, and going fast in a speedboat as well, is good. And then there's a real nuanced conversation, which you've uh, alluded to, <laughs> with regards to uh, Ken and uh, Sarah having a conversation about Mark's attention span. Um, so yes. main, it's a, poor, all, a poorly all... disguised an, an <laughs> yeah. analogy. He lasts, he lasts one to five minutes, uh, zero to five minutes. And, uh, and Ken turns around to Sarah and says, how long is this, uh, this, this race? It was like, oh, so about one and a half hours or something like that. Oh, that's just merely... <laughs> Virtually merely, this is merely the, the short play. The short course. So it's the short course then. And then, oh, Sarah's interest is like... <laughs> yeah. Which... Because Ken can go the distance. <laughs> and I do believe him, actually. I think... <laughs> so, so Ken I thought, knows how to please the ladies. So I think that I think that, that, that was that was very well done. And it's a really good setup. And I think that that, that is good. Because they've introduced these characters on a gradual basis, and we know that they're 
they're they're they're they're good and there's there seems to be fault in their relationship with regards to Sarah and Mark and uh yeah and Ken is has got some some new new plaything to 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 entertain to, or, or or something to stalk and to 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 fight for which is good um then we have a little bit of storyline with Jan not a great deal of Jan in this episode not much that much fashion she's now getting uk suppliers to do her fabric and she's been introduced to uh, another character, which I don't think we see. No, much I don't. Of I don't think that we, we do. They're serving the purpose of of making the point that she's now buying British, Woo-hoo! buying British. Um, but she can't get everything she needs, though. No, she's so had to. That means she's had to change some fabric because she couldn't get hold of the fabric, and she's asked Claude uh, on the telephone to come back from the honeymoon a few days earlier so we can rework eight of his outfits. I'm sure, I'm sure they do that all over. <laughs> they do that all the time. <laughs> so, like, yes, you've got to rework like eight complete outfits. <laughs> Three days should be fine, shouldn't it? <laughs> I'm sure it takes longer than that. But <laughs> I suspect so. <laughs> so, um, so okay. that's all we see of well, Jan. And, I, but we have the scene with Jan and Leo, and Leo's going, you don't show me any attention! She's saying, well, I'm trying to run a business. And failing. And failing, not doing very well. Oh, oh. oh well. Um, so what other storyline? Oh, yeah, we had, the, we had the nonsense over Freer Holdings and taking over yeah. Ralph. So we've got the boardroom bollocks. But admittedly, they had they had a good point because Frere was actually had a, had a point with a business point of view. So like, Relton have got five sites; three are good. Um, they can consolidate them and maximise the sites because they actually own them outright and blah blah blah. So it actually made sense. And Frere thinks mentioning money like one pound fifty a share, um, and he's saying, "Oh, I'd pay one pound sixty a share for it." And then you have a little bit of boardroom bollocks at Relton where they're aware that the takeover's happened uh, or happen it is happening. Yeah, so so Frere's gone public and is and is slagging off Relton's management in the press. Yes. Which saying Gerald how rubbish they are. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So Gerald did manage to do that overnight, apparently. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So, Gerald's amazing. He can do anything. Yeah, well, Ger- he's an accountant and lawyer. He's an accountant and, PR, and a lawyer. And he's a PR guru. <laughs> Who yeah. is, there, is there anything that that man can't do? <laughs> so, yeah. Keep Polly satisfied. That's probably the one, <laughs> yeah, the one thing he can't manage. Uh, uh, probably the maintenance fees of the flat in London. is <laughs> rather expensive, perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, so, yeah. So that was that. And... That, that has so, put, that puts a spanner yeah, in the works. So, so Abby, uh, not Abby, uh, Avril is a bit, uh, she, she's kind of torn around it because she can see from a professional per- perspective that um, she, it's, that the you know the the takeover might be good, but from a personal perspective, then she's not relishing the prospects of working for Charles Freire again, and also that that casts some doubt over. Barracuda, because the Barracuda's got the franchise with them. But if they don't, if they just sit on the plans and don't yeah. do anything with it, yeah. So Relton have the yeah, as you say, Relton have the franchise, but they're, they're, they, there's there's no nothing in the agreement that says that they have to um, sell Barracuda or market it or. But they have built. A, it. I think they're forgetting. They have actually. We, we've been to the factory and we've seen the hole and the fit outs already been built. So they have actually built. A, a, a quite a few yeah. of these boats they've already got orders in for these boats 
So well, we don't we don't really hear very much about that. We don't know no. how many orders have they sold any. Well, they or... said they had eight, eight confirmed in a previous episode, but yeah. I think they just forget about all that nonsense and they're just creating this bit of, bit of a drama, which is, is a bit of a drama. It's a drama. Um, so well, quite uh, quite rightly so. so. Otherwise, it would be a dull do. If so, and the episode drama. ends with that cliffhanger. Oh my god! If this happens, if Freya, yeah, it was a kind of a weak cliffhanger. It was a weak really, cliffhanger. Um, and but also, I say, go around to Tom. The final storyline was with Tom. Tom has taken this lovely couple out on the catamaran and sold it for thirty-seven and a half thousand. Um, but there's a little bit of a nugget of worry because he turns around because it. Tom seems to be able to learn from his mistakes. He doesn't like being called out, but he does learn from those mistakes. And he's asking Bill, is the boat okay? So he had a little bit of... A wobble. Uh, it's a niggle. A niggle of worry. Um, so, and he's got this... So the catamaran, we see some nice shots of this catamaran. It does did look amazing. And these, this couple have bought it, and they're super excited because they want to race it, and blah 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 blah. And um, in fairness, Tom does a. It, it had a really neat scene where they're arriving on the deck and they're running into the jolly thresher. Jolly thresher, uh, not jolly thresher. The jolly, jolly thresher. <laughs> the, jo- the jolly sailor. The jolly harvester. Oh uh, yeah, so they, they get into the jolly sailor, and um, they basically. Uh, so they're running in for brandies to to warm themselves up because they've been out on the the lynette, um, and the lynette does look really good in the water. It's probably going to stay in there for some time. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also, there's a little bit of uh, a wobble with regards to Tom looking at the plans that Jack has produced for caroline doodah what's it yeah the plan the, the plans jack produced 30 years ago yeah it was 1966 oh, <laughs> no, I said it was 20 years ago because this was done in 86 because we had the boat show poster up in, <laughs> in the mermaid yard office uh so jack has just resurrected the same boat that he built for doodah what's its husband before way back when and actually yeah. you know what what what's so wrong about that? Well, there's not nothing so wrong, but I think. I mean, the, the apparently that boat is still sailing, so clearly it's a very very sound design. Jack knows what he's doing. He does know what he's doing, but I mean, I think it may be worthwhile tweaking it just a little bit. I mean, because I mean, well, top, presumably top, he's going to put modern um, electronics and stuff in it. It's not it, enough of a tweak. Do you need more of a tweak than that? Well, I don't know. I mean, because I think you could probably make it. Oh, because because Tom generously offers to say look okay do you want me to put it through the computer to see with like measurements and things like that if anything could be tweaked a little bit to improve it and jack is like no 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 so he just doesn't like change but he doesn't like he hasn't designed anything new so it's not nothing new and i don't know how much i would want say because this is caroline dudar what's it um would you really want to have the identical boat that your husband had with his previous wife no you want something a little bit different well, if I just play devil's advocate for a moment, what Jack says, and he, this may or may not be true, but what Jack says is that that's what she wants. Mm. That, that he's delivering what she wants. Now, that may or may be not be true. We don't know. But just something to bear in mind, that Jack's maybe not just being a lazy arse, that perhaps he is just giving what's, what the client's yeah. asked well, for. Well, that's fair enough, and execute only. And, so. and, and I could imagine Tom... We'd be quite keen to give clients something that they haven't asked for, uh, but he thinks they should have. Whereas Jack's probably not yeah. not that way inclined. 
So that, that seems to be, they need to create a bit more drama. So this is where the drama in the Mermaid Yard is coming from. So, Well, as if a hostile takeover from from Charles Frere that could completely ruin them isn't enough drama. Oh, because obviously Tom has a has has the, the 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 situation with Charles because he was the one that caused Lynn to get emotional and then go plop. Yeah. So there's no love lost, and also, and also there's the whole Charles Avril thing that that is probably in the back of his mind as well. Yeah. So there's no love lost between. Tom and Charles. Yeah, and as a final comment of the of this podcast, we have to talk about the buffet. Oh, <laughs> the Christ Almighty! The, the international buffet. The international buffet. Oh my God! It looked like Fanny Craddock had, had a field day with that. Yeah. The amount, the amount of colour. Sort of yeah, <laughs> Fanny Craddock had dropped a tab of, of <laughs> <That> acid. <laughs> That, that buffet, it was very, very glossy, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like it's like the cover of some sort, of, you know, like a magazine cover from the nineteen sixties. Yeah, like this is. This I is think I think we could say that the chef was very stuck in his way, style wise. I, I I don't think that I think that was plastic food. That I wouldn't surprise me if that, it was. That, that would not surprise. It would not surprise it look, me. It did. It did look very, very much like what would have been on. Like, it looked this, like this is, a set this is dressing. This the best housewife cooks for their husband yes. and the it look, husband it did boss. Look, it did look very much like a set dressing. Yeah. And the sort of thing that you hire from a a, a, a prop supply company. Uh, but it was completely and utterly weighted probably down. Including the chef and his whites. They pro- that probably, he probably came with the... Yeah, he was really guarding the, the plastic food. No, don't eat it. It's plastic. <laughs> yes, don't. <laughs> it's plasticine. <laughs> yeah. But also, I thought it was really interesting because they were looking at the menu. And you thought, the buffet's there. Just, just well, look you, at it I, and point. Yeah, but, but you don't have to have the buffet. You could, presumably, you could order something off the buffet. <laughs> when you've got that, it's just like... Well, if you didn't fancy anything that was on that. I didn't, because I certainly didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked epic though, didn't it? It was very, very shiny look, and glossy. It did look epic. It looked like everything had been dipped in aspic jelly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, and it was that, fancy schmancy. <laughs> I think we've we've wrung out as much as of this Howard's Way episode as we could possibly we probably imagine. have. So um, for the next three episodes, we have the tweet along, uh, which is this uh, every Sunday at eight pm uh, for the tweet along. Um, after we've covered series two, we will uh, be giving Howard's Way a little bit of a breather, so we can sort of uh, we can wring out the sails and clean out and do whatever we need, sponge down the decks and everything. And we'll be back in September. Yeah, gosh, um, it's like being in the room with Jack Rolls. <laughs> I know, it's amazing. Uh, so, you know all so, the terminology. So we have the tweet along, the raining tweet alongs for series two, and then the podcast will be returning for September Yay. for the next two lovely series, uh, which is the last two series with the gorgeous Morris Colburn. Um, but in the meantime, have you got anything else to add, Rob? Just uh, look out for us on social media. At Antique Dust. At Antique Dust. You can check out the website, Antique Dust. Yeah, you can buy some Howard's Way merch. Dot, uh, and you can buy our merch. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's all very, very lovely. So in the meantime, it's Jonathan signing off. Farewell. And as Rob saying goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.